Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who gave St. Anthony of Padua to your people as an outstanding preacher and an intercessor in their need, Grant that with his assistance, as we follow the teachings of the Christian life, we may know your help in every trial. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the first book of Kings. Leaving Mount Horeb, Elijah came on Elisha, son of Shaphat as he was ploughing behind twelve yoke of oxen, he himself being with the twelfth. Elijah passed near to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you, he said. Elijah answered, Go, go back. For have I done anything to you? Elisha turned away, took the pair of oxen, and slaughtered them. He used the plow for cooking the oxen, then gave to his men who ate. He then rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are my inheritance, O Lord. You are my inheritance, O Lord. Preserve me, God. I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, You are my God. O Lord, it is you who are my portion and cup. It is you yourself who are my prize. You are my inheritance, O Lord. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel, who even at night directs my heart. I keep the Lord ever in my sight. Since he is at my right hand, I shall stand firm. You are my inheritance, O Lord. And so my heart rejoices, my soul is glad. Even my body shall rest in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor let your beloved know decay. You are my inheritance, O Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia. Turn my heart to do your will, 
Teach me your law, O God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You have learned how it was said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath, but must fulfill your oaths to the Lord. But I say this to you, Do not swear at all, either by heaven, since that is God's throne, or by the earth, since that is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, since that is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your own head either, since you cannot turn a single hair white or black. All you need say is yes if you mean yes, no if you mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I've got the words of my grandfather ringing in my ears after this gospel. What you beloved, what you doing? What you promise, you gotta do. I reckon that about sums up the gospel for today. We come up to this fourth antithesis, it's called. These uh, teachings in the form of you've learnt how it was said, but I say to you. And, you know, it's making reference now to the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Um, But also a a passage in the book of Leviticus where it says that, you know, the oaths that you make to God you, you need to keep. But just like in the other antitheses that we've had up until this point, Jesus, Jesus amps it up again. And he brings it to the very heart of the matter. So, okay, don't break your oaths, fulfill your promises to the Lord. But I say this to you, says Jesus, like, don't swear at all. I mean, what, what's the function of an oath? Cross my heart and hope to die. This time, I really mean it. This time, I'm, I'm really speaking the truth. And, you know, you, you kind of pause for a second and go, well, so the stuff that you don't say under oath, what are you saying about that? What are you saying about the things where you don't cross your heart and hope to die? Is that up for grabs? Is it only true when you're under oath? And in which case, do I need to put you under oath when I ask you how your day was? These oaths, they they seem to open up a gap where you can do a little bit of dodging and weaving. If something's under oath and something's not under oath, you know, to what different degree can there be truth or untruth contained in them? It's all getting a bit tricksy. And as you can imagine, Jesus has got no time for those kinds of technicalities. In fact, later on in Matthew's Gospel, in the 23rd chapter, when he's really sticking it, to the scribes and Pharisees. Listen to what he says. He says, Alas for you, blind guides, you who say, if a man swears by the temple, it has no force, but if a man swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound. Fools and blind, for which is of greater worth, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Or else, if a man swears by the altar, it has no force, but if a man swears by the offering on the altar, he is bound. You blind men. And, you know, it goes on, but you can see Jesus, he has no time for any of this parsing, any of this minute dissecting of these oaths. What are you doing? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your own word carry the strength of truth. There's something really juvenile 
about trying to weasel out of your own promises. Oh, well, no, I had my fingers crossed, or that promise didn't count because I didn't swear by the gold in the temple, just the temple, and, you know, you didn't notice, so really it's your problem. Come on. Now, this may seem like a bit of a sidetrack, but stick with me. I'll, I'll, I'll try and pull it back into the main theme in a second. But not infrequently, I end up in conversations with young people about marriage and about dating and about, you know, what are the kinds of qualities that you need to look for in a spouse? And one that I throw out at them, and, and perhaps one that many hadn't thought about beforehand, is exactly this question. Does this person keep their promises? Does their word mean something? When they make a promise, does it bind their actions? Or are they looking to get out of it? Or are they quite prepared for their word not to count? Does their yes mean yes? Because if it doesn't, what happens when on your wedding day they say yes to you? And it slowly turns into a no later on. I can hear my grandfather again. What you beloved, what you doing? What you promise you got to do? Now, the one whose word is true is ultimately God himself. Because his word is what shapes reality. His word is what brings reality into existence, right? Like all the way back at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, God says, let there be light, and there is light. When God speaks, things happen. Now, we need to be in the imitation of God. Now, of course, we can't speak in the same performative way that he does, that when we say something, it causes things to come about. But by means of the strength of our word, we can signal our will and our promise that we will use our efforts to bring about that which we have promised. And that's to be like God. That's to speak truth. That when we say yes, we bring yes about. When we say no, we bring no about. But I tell you what, our generation, aren't we afraid of promises? You know what drives me insane? When you invite someone to an event or whatever and they go, yeah, I might come. And then you, you know that they're hedging their bets until a couple of hours before when, you know, they can examine their options. Is this what I'm going to do? Is this not what I'm going to do? Have I got a better thing to do instead of what I've been invited to? And then you finally get the text message that either says, yep, on my way, or um, look, really terribly sorry, but, you know, something's come up. How about this instead? What if we practice making promises and keeping them? So that when it comes time for our life promises, I take you as my husband, I take you as my wife. Yes, I'll serve the church as a priest or a religious. Yes, I'll enter into a vow with God that shapes the rest of my future. That we're ready to keep those big promises. Because we've let our little yeses mean yes. So that our big yeses can mean a yes for our whole life. Take a leaf out of Opa Zwanza's book. What you beloved, what you do, what you promise, you gotta do.
At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.